Ladies and gentlemen, now the moment you've all been waiting for... The belching contest. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. I can't run anymore. I'm so sleepy. All right. See how they run. See how they run. <laughs> Gas food lodging. I'm Gas. Food lodging. <laughs> Coming to you like from the Dalhead Studios. Coming here. to you live. Beautiful. Beautiful. Downtown. Dalhead Studios. Well, actually, Dan- downtown's like right there. Yeah, so, but we say beautiful West Anaheim, California. Because we're west of downtown. Yes. West. Um, Go west, young man. Go west. Okay, so I'm gonna name some movies. You guys tell well, me. Well, I'm curious. Uh, last yeah, time, like. We kind of ended with me referring to the clips in the outro. Oh, so I was going to go. You want to know the clips? What the clips in the are in that intro. Um, the only two I'm 100 percent on is the food fight is from Animal House and the Alice from One One. The I'm so sleepy is from. Right. Well, the beginning is Pulp wait, Fiction. Wait. Okay, Ladies the, and gentlemen, that's, that's Pulp Fiction. Right before they do the dance contest. Oh right. yeah. Okay. 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 The second then, thing is the belting contest and the and the big burp. That's from. Revenge of the Nerds. That's from Revenge of the Nerds. Now, the clip where she says, that boy's a P.I.G. pig and food fight, that's both of those is Animal House. Right. They're they're very close together in the scene. And then I can't run anymore. I'm so sleepy. That's Wizard of Oz. That's what I was going to say. Wizard of Oz. You said Alice in Wonderland. I was like, what? Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. And then the ending music is from Three Stooges. Any Three Stooges. Yeah. Yeah, Right. As always, their intro music was Three Blind Mice, which fits us appropriately. Anyway, oh yeah, okay. Okay, was... so I'm gonna I'm gonna name I'm gonna name a couple of movies. Okay. See if you can tell me what they have in common. Ooh. All right. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, the Breakfast Club. Okay. Die Hard. Okay. Clue. Okay. Any thoughts? Breakfast Club, Die Hard. Die Hard, Breakfast Club, Clue. Yes, yes. The what fucking guy. The guy who's the who's got them in detention at Breakfast Club. He, isn't oh, he? I'm gonna add some movies to. Hold the on, list. isn't he in Die Hard as the, like the the? All right, come on, give me some more movies. No, yes, he's I'm one of the. Add, co- I'm, I'm right gonna, though, right? It's, mm, he's one of the nope, cops. Nope. No, you're not right. I'm gonna Just add like everything. Else. I'm gonna add Time Crimes to the list. Mm. Ooh, I love that movie. There's an is Car Wash. Is that from Spain? Where's that movie from? That's from mm. Spain. That's a great. I'm gonna add Car Wash from the 70s. Like I hate time travel movies where there's a paradox, unless Judd it's Nelson. like time crimes, no, where the no. paradox is the whole point. All right, I'll add another movie to the list. Wait. Well, once you hit time crimes, it, it, it can't be a common like. They're all filmed oh, in crew rope. They're all filmed in Michigan. Okay. All filmed in Michigan. No. Rope. Yeah. Uh, a movie called Quick Change. You ever seen okay, it? Okay, I'm already okay, over okay, this. Okay, okay. You're saying, are these all movies that are supposedly in real time? Not the word no, is but you're getting warm. They all happen within one day. They all happen within one day. Okay, okay. Like so, Die Hard, Die on, Hard 2, Die Hard 3, American Graffiti. Days of Confused. Days of Confused. They both happen in one night. All happen essentially in one day. Ferris right. Bueller's Day Off. Right. Breakfast Club, Saturday, March 24th. Saturday, March 24th. 1984, Shermer High School, Shermer, Illinois, 60062. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. That's clever. I like. I like that. Do you think? I think movies like that, in a lot of ways, well, it, it's interesting you say that good. because um, um, George Lucas, when directing American Graffiti, very rarely are films filmed in order. You film scenes when it's convenient for production purposes, right. and then in the editing room you put it in order. Um, but American Graffiti was shot. Chronologically, 
so that the actors themselves were progressively more tired as the film went on. Right. So that they would look on screen as they were progressively more tired. Right, because it takes place over one night. Correct. So um, that was that was his like he was forth- forcing method acting upon his <laughs> cast. Um, <laughs> so it was also shot all in one night, is what you're saying? No, it wasn't shot all in okay. one night, but it was shot sequentially. Um, I just think that movies like I'm that to think of some movies that were just shot in like a short period of time. Um, I, I don't. Know. Not off the top of my head. I mean, there are certain like Psycho was shot fairly quick. I think it was shot in like 30 days. Well, yeah, because he did Psycho with his, with TV, his TV crew, crew. on a TV budget. And there are movies that are that are like that, yeah, that they shot them relatively yeah. quick. It's really funny when you think about like some big time productions Hitchcock did, and right in the middle of it, Psycho was like done really on the cheap. Yeah, very much. Where was that motel? Uh, it's it a, set a set at Universal. It's a oh, set. It's a set. But, yeah, you can go okay. visit it at Universal. What I'm saying is, when you got a movie where it's kind of compressed that like that, where it's just like Clue, it takes place over like three or four hours. Right. Yeah, clue. I think oh the God. what makes some of these movies really good is okay. is the pacing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? See, movie connections. I'm just we, yeah. we can base some stuff around this. Okay, Clue. Uh huh. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh huh. Um, we were going to talk about Tom Cruise stuff, so Legend. Yeah. Right. What do these movies all have in common? They all Tim have Curry. Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. Yeah. yeah. Come on, the, make it fucking easy, Widow. The you? Shadow. Had Tim Curry. But I just feel like The Shadow's you, a good movie. I oh, like The Shadow. You come up with like The Shadow. Ryan, you, like that? you know, yeah. You come up with one while he's talking. It's different. You speak Chinese? Only Mandarin. <laughs> it's different. And that's what I think. Yeah. You, got here. you okay. know, it's, it's I think the whole thing well, with Tim a really Curry dark where book, he like so. foams at the mouth when he dies and all yeah. that. That was really bizarre when I saw right. that in the theater. But I'm just saying about these movies because you, you meet the characters relatively quick. You get into the movie and then it's over. Right. There's that. Okay. Kind of quick succession of things that makes movies like Die Hard or uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's not a lot of exposition. It's it's you just get to the movie, you get yeah. to the point. Where sure. you know other movies take so long to kind of get Develop, going yeah. that but, you know you it, feel like you spent half the movie just starting it. Well, yeah, a, yeah. a great example of that um, was the Nicole Kidman movie that got all the raves um, um, to die for. Yeah. Okay, and I think it's based on some kind of true story. Yeah, anyway. it is. But that I, know. I honestly, oh, and another one I'll, I'll mention after. I almost felt like when it finally got to the point mm-hmm. of where it was supposed to be going, all of that seemed like the setup. When I went right. into the movie, I thought that I knew that that's what the setup was. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be, in the movie was going to be, that's the setup, and then this is where the movie goes from there. But no, the whole movie was just that setup. Yeah. Right. Okay. And the other movie like that that, that I kind of had that feeling for was Boondock Saints. The ending of Boondock Saints felt to me like, okay, we've now introduced the characters. Let's get into this shit. But wow. that's the yeah. end of the fucking movie. Right. Castaway was like that for me. They spend the first forty five minutes setting it up, and then it's him by himself with a volleyball for another forty five minutes. Yeah. And then <laughs> they close it out. Yeah. And it's still a really, really good film. But, but you're right. There is a lot of setup. You go oh, into yeah. that movie thinking it's all him and the volleyball, but there's 45 solid Yeah, they, they take the first, like, half of that movie yeah. setting up the the yeah, uh, being true. stranded thing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, well, because you have to give a shit. So they sure. ha- you have to have sure. time to care there, about him there, there, there are situation. There are definitely that do that where it's right. like they develop the characters just enough for you to start caring when they die. Exactly. Um, fucking Rogue One. 
Right. Rogue One does a really good job of really quickly developing some characters and making you give a shit and then bumping them off. Cloverfield, right. Cloverfield did that too. Even though I knew everyone was going to die in Rogue One because yeah. you couldn't explain their absence in the rest of the movies. Right. So. Same, thing, same thing with Cloverfield, I felt, is that Cloverfield basically spent all its time developing the character just enough that you could then kill them and make it matter. Right. <laughs> I still watch that Vader scene at the end of Rogue One on YouTube yeah, yeah. every day. With, with, with yeah. your pants on zip. Yeah. <laughs> No, I usually do it while I'm drinking my morning coffee. Get my day going. Get your day going. Yeah. Around there you noon. Go. There you yeah, around go. noon. I'm on like a three to eleven kind of thing. I think that has to do with my job. Why do I feel like I've said this before? But yeah, you did say it before in another. We did a pretty good cover of Love Song. We're actually. Um, I know this isn't a movie show, but three eleven is a shitty band. Oh. <laughs> Like a, like a Wait, knife to my heart. <laughs> oh, you're a 311 fan? <laughs> Whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Whoa, shades of gold is playing naturally. Amber is, oh, a, amber is the color of your urine stream? <laughs> <laughs> I saw 311 up in... Uh, my condolences. Up in Hollywood. <laughs> We were. Uh, it was a small show. It was pretty cool. Yeah, you didn't pay for track. that, did you? Once again, we're off track. Yeah, we did. You paid to see three eleven. Yeah, interesting. We were and we were like track. way up front. It was cool. It was a small. Yeah. Way. I would think. I'm trying to remember if, what the place is called. The oh, it's the Roxy. All so I'm aboard the, the crazy train that we're going to derail. Yeah. <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah. So okay. Um, so Actually, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the greatest time. guitar solo of all time, by the way. Okay, last week. Off, okay. you know, off the I mean, record, you know, we were crazy. recording. I was ragging on Mike about his country music love. Yeah, you were there. giving me shit about that. Yeah, yeah so Dude, I guess you're entitled to your Sirius opinion on Outlaw right. Country, the Outlaw Country on Sirius XM is is one of my one of my go-to. You listen to country too? I listen to real country. I don't listen to tractor rap. See the thing which I is was what telling old school exactly. country people I refer listen, to a modern country. Basically, the like, '80s was a pants- rapid downhill dive for country music, and right. then the Garth Brooks Shania Twain of the '90s destroyed any semblance of it being Garth worthwhile. Brooks is a good artist. Okay, well, all I'm saying is what what people who are into old country now and Shania Twain's Canadian, refer to modern blast. country as tractor rap. Well, yeah, derogatory term. See, I like. I was telling him I like Patsy Cline. Patsy Cline, Hank Williams. That's country music. Yeah, I prefer Junior. Junior. Well, I enjoy George Jones. As I just said, I have the Outlaw Country on my Sirius XM. But we are now doing a music podcast during the middle of our movie podcast. Oh, hey, there's an interesting thought. Why don't we talk about movie soundtracks? That's actually an interesting thing we can discuss. Not this time. It's the way music works in films. Not this time. All right, we'll save that. Put that in the back burner. Put that in the back burner. But I do think that would be. So listen, break out my job. You guys were talking about. You're talking about Psycho. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing about Psycho. When Marion Crane, she gets to the. Uh, Get comfortable. He's yeah, talking, I'm comfortable. He's talking yeah. Hitchcock, so relax. Right, well, comfy. he gets to the. She gets to the motel. Now notice that the motel mm-hmm. is horizontal. Okay, it's an L-shaped cabin. Okay. It's a row of cabins, and then it makes an L turn. Sure. And you know you've got the office in the front, and then all the cabins. It's all a horizontal, single-story building. Point taken. Move and on. then when she goes and she looks up the hill. She sees the house. Now, the house is vertical. Right. It's a two-story house, and actually, on later on, it's on a hill. When you go into the house, there's actually a cellar, so it's actually three floors. There's one below, and then the two above ground. Okay. 
Okay. So there's the contrast between the horizontal and the vertical buildings, okay. which makes it interesting. And then there's that transition is basically the staircase between the house and the hotel. And that space, essentially, that staircase space is where our character can transition between one and the other, essentially. Because Have you in the seen house, the Base Motel series? No, I'm not. Oh, you should I was going to ask you that so on the last good. episode. No, it is so it. good. It's because, not, really. Oh, yeah, it is. It would just disappoint the shit out I of just, No, um, no, because you start off actually being very sympathetic to poor Norman because his mom is such a bitch. Yeah, and well, that's slowly, Psycho 4. Well, right. That's the thing. And then slowly as he derails over the course of the show and then finally kills his mom. And, and you know it's leading up to that. And it's like four seasons leading up to him killing his mom. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so there it is. We've now set up, this has now been the four seasons of the prequel to the movie. You know, we're done. No. And then there's season five, and you're like, holy fuck balls. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get all, because once they get to the point where Norman has now got the split personality, he's half right. his mom, where that show goes from there is freaking brilliant. There's, yeah. there's some amazing stuff where you go, okay, yeah, this is, it does a really good job of, of taking the movie Psycho and saying, okay, so what would be the full backstory to all of this? And right. that series is actually really well done. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to watch TV. I think you'd enjoy it. I like watching movie. I mean, I'm not calling it as yeah. brilliant and oh, de- sure. deep as, you know, but it's, it's really well done. It, it, it has very good source material. Right. Yeah. Like you didn't, you're saying you didn't enjoy it. I did not because it's hard for me to get into something when I know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Kind of well, no, did you see it? Never mind. I'm not going to throw out some spoilers on a series because there's some stuff in season five where it's like. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a couple of twists and turns, but I just well, don't like anything that I know. Norman's how got it's a brother. End. You're like, you know? oh, that's nice. He's got a brother. Oh, and his brother moved away. So his, you know, you're like, oh, Norman's got a brother. Oh, fuck. That means at some point the brother's going to die. And then the brother moves away. And you're like, oh, good. The brother gets to live. And then the brother's wife shows him a newspaper clipping that his mom died. He's like, why didn't you tell me my mom died? I've got to go back to <laughs> back home. And you're like, don't go home, dude. Your brother's going to nuts now and he's going to fucking kill you. Yeah, there's, there's that was an like interesting that. little twist, I'm yeah. sure. But. So. Yeah, I just, you know, thinking about the space, the contrast between the horizontal and the vertical, that transition space between the, the hotel and the house. Are we fucking reaching? That. No, no, he's not, because okay. this stuff really is in the minds of some directors. Right, it's cinematography. Really, and well, I mean, it's, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's there, a there, lot going on there, you know. It gives Norman time to transition, you know, when he's in the house, he's mom, but when he's in the hotel, In some movies, this stuff is done very subtly, and that's a sign of how a great movie can be, can be made, where someone like Michael Bay doesn't think about something like that. Um, right. Sometimes it's like a much more overt thing, like the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. The cinematography to that film and the set design to that film is very overt. It's, it's deliberately in your face. Right. That when you're in the restaurant, it, the, the entire film, essentially the camera for the majority of the, majority of the filming, it just moves left and right, and it does that, that film trick of passing through a wall. Right. Okay, where there's a black line. Um, and you have, the, you have the back alley mm-hmm. behind the restaurant. You have the kitchen, and then you have the dining area. Right. Okay. And as the camera passes through that wall, as the characters walk through a doorway, their costumes change. Right. The set changes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you go the 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 the, um, the kitchen is very they're steam filled 
and kind of low lighting and everyone's in like like a dark green and blacks and stuff like that and then you get into the dining area and it's like bright red mm-hmm. and 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 solid blacks and and um and she's literally walks through Helen Mirren isn't it Helen Mirren mm-hmm. Helen Mirren and she's like wearing a green dress with uh a black dress with like green tassels walks through the door and now she's in a, re- a red dress with black tassels, you know, and then she goes to the bathroom and everything in the bathroom is pristine, clear white. Right. You know, and, and it's a very deliberate thing, both how it's filmed, the cinematography of it, how the set is designed, how the costume design that all seamlessly are working together to set. There is a specific mood to each part, uh, each set piece you know, and, and, and it's used to great effect in that film, but it's very overt. Whereas something you're talking about, about the vertical and horizontal lines and stuff to the set design is just as deliberate, but it's a lot more subtle. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of some other subtle examples you could give in other films um, where the set design, uh, the cinematography. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Definitely has. Actually, anything Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick yeah, does some right. really good. Just, um, just the way things move so even outside, and like fluidly, you know, in zero gravity in two thousand and one. Right, The Shining. Oh, the the transition of the bone toss to the spaceship. Yeah, is is considered one of the great cutscenes in, in in cinema. Um, what's what what? This is a little different, but you know, like with The Shining, I love the scene where he, um, is it Timmy? It's not Timmy, is it? What's the kid's name? The kid. Yeah, I forget his name. I don't know. But anyways, he's riding his little three-wheel bike through the hallway, and there's that sound where he's on the carpet, and then he's on like the wood floor, and then oh, he's on the yeah. carpet, and then he's on the, the wood floor. Sound design there is really good. Yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. It really creates an atmosphere or a tone. carpet and then you get the loud you know when he's going on like the wood floor it's the around. attention to detail and, and yeah you're digging and it deeper creates what's going on. nothing it creates okay. uh it creates a atmosphere and a mood in his movies way to go attracting like attention to something that can't well, be I, seen though no no, no. I you're thought just you were as bad deep. as he is i thought you were digging deep for a piece of trivia or something i might be okay piece of we'll trivia get we'll get there okay. um yeah well i was i don't know i was having fun like with the whole like your whole movie connection thing. I thought we could do a whole lot of bits on movie that. Movie connections. You know, it's like, what does this movie, this movie, this movie all have in common? Uh, they all have the word A in them. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what do Attila the Hunt and Kermit the Frog have in common? Same middle name. Mm. Yes. Uh, the. Spooky. Oh, by the way, by the way, it was yeah. a slow burn. It was meant to burn out by the end of the episode, but it never did. So now we're about four episodes later. Okay. I need to get this settled. It's important. Okay. Oink. <sighs> For the love of the living Christ, are you serious? That was like thinks, four weeks ago. He, he, he thinks he's so funny. He is. Look, like every tenth joke is fucking hilarious. But you have to sit through like nine really super bad dad jokes. Like, 
really bad. Like, I don't know if you heard it from, like, Mike Brady or, like, a third grader or what, but they're fucking horrible. <laughs> but every tenth joke is fucking brilliant. It's, like, weird. That was fun. <laughs> that one was pretty good. I hurt myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> you want to? Go ahead. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, we hit a yeah. little here. No, I just. Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to get, get, give us some kind of form instead right. of it being as gelatinous as the last week was. Right. Um, <laughs> last week was formless. Like, formless. Gloop and gleep. The formless. It was the blob wonders. of pop. What is that podcast. from? That's from uh, the blob. From fucking Gloop and Gleep, Gloop. yeah, yeah Zach the uh, Laser Ray Dragon, and uh, oh god, uh, the uh, Herculoids, Th- Thunder the oh no, the Herculoids, Herculoids. Herculoids. Right. Thunder the Barbarian, Thunder the Barbarian, Ookla that the was the bomb. You know, you know where Ukla the Mop got his name from? Where they were, they worked in West LA, yeah, and they and they were actually two writers were walking past UCLA, oh. and the guy's like UCLA Ukla, oh we should use that, and no, not that's not a joke, yeah. it's O O K L A, but Ukla the Mop got his name from. University of California, Los Angeles. Very nice. And Princess Ariel. Oh, yes, it's a very nice. Uh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, I thought we'd like... See, things s- like um, um, um are not, no, unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. <laughs> I'm just trying to chart unacceptable. out some territory that we can establish and work our way through. Right, let's not have the pre-production well, meeting I- on the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's know what the well, fuck then, we're doing before we then, start doing this. Then shut up. Okay. Well, fire away. I'm the only one making fucking sense right now with your ukla uu la kaka. Sorry. Fucking shit. I'm sorry, I had to cough. Yeah, he's not really fucking sorry. He's just, you know. I was just trying to talk about movies that take place over the course of a day and how those movies are yes right that's what i was bringing up at the beginning and you guys getting all sidetracked like you said we're derailing the crazy train yeah do they sleep in the wizard of oz do they sleep poppies yeah poppies no i mean like for like overnight no no Oh, that's a good point. Um, well, but that's over the course of more than one day because there is the night scene. There are a lot of movies that are like that where you're saying to yourself, when the heck do the characters sleep? Right. You know? Or I eat. mean, they spent, or eat. What's this one you know? day? Or... <coughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, The Wizard of Oz takes place over more than one several day. Several days, there are yeah. Of, there are night scenes. Right. There's several days in that movie. Um, and when does she I'm sleep? I'm just trying to think of. I tried to tell Roland that fucking well, episode eight was field. a continuous fucking thing. It's the battle scene in episode eight that doesn't stop. But obviously, it takes place over several days because the sun and sets and rises a few times on that island that Luke and sure. Ray are on. Sure. But that and, battle is pretty continuous. Yeah. So. so well, it's, it's kind of funny deceiving. because like there are films where they do that badly. Right. Like uh, if you've ever seen Prince of Darkness with John John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, yeah. a film with a brilliant premise and a couple of cool gimmicks throughout it, but overall is a fairly unsatisfying movie. Right. Um, but it's like there, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens over the course of one night, and like, and then there's this whole thing where it's like, well, during the dur- during the daytime they can't move or some shit like that, and and. And then it's like, like three quarters of the film is one day and night, and then there's this like the next whole day and night happens over the course of like two minutes, where it's like oh there's the a shot of there? the sun no. rising, oh a shot of the sun setting, and it's like what the fuck was that? You know, it's it's poorly done. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, oh, and another bad example of that was <laughs> of time passing is uh, Ralph Bakshi's animated version of the Lord of the Rings from the seventies. Yeah. Where it's like Samwise. We're like. Sam, uh, we're that was I loved that when I was a kid though. Well, Bilbo. Well, because that's all so we did had. Peter ja- so, so did yeah. Peter Jackson. Because there are plenty of scenes in the in the in the Rings movies that are shot for shot from Backshy's film. Right. Um, his design of the Balrog is out of Backshy. The opening scene to Return of the King is shot for shot of of Smeagol getting the ring. Well, Deagle getting the ring and Smeagol. Right. Him for Tolkien it. had a but lot of the, well, like I was trying to say concept though, art, if you will. There was a scene at the beginning. There's a bit at the beginning where Bilbo leaves and Frodo gets the ring, mm-hmm. and it says 17 sleepy years passed in the Shire." Um, in the, in the movies, they just kind of truncate it; it happens fairly immediately. But it's 17 years in the book, so in the film, right? It literally it's it does one of those transitions from from summer to winter, fades to winter, mm-hmm. and then fades back yeah. to summer, and then it does this super fast quick edit. Of like summer winter, summer winter, summer winter, summer winter. Yeah. Seventeen years pass, and it's like the strobe light in your face for a second. You're like, that's the dumbest <laughs> way to say. And then some time passes. This is really bad. I actually recently saw a uh, Bakshi movie, uh, Fire and Ice. That's one I haven't seen. Yeah, I, and, I've uh, seen. Um, I've seen Fritz the Cat. Yeah. I've seen Wizards, which is the one that yeah. entertained yeah. me the most. Yeah. Um, none of his films are are objectively good i would not i would not say any ralph Bakshi animated film is objectively good but i find some of them entertaining fritz the cat is what it is and it was groundbreaking for its time um essentially animated porn um to some degree um but wizards was very entertaining uh and then the lord of the rings was really disappointing like the first half of it is trying to be what it is and then the last half of it is like oh we're running out of money. You literally can hear the movie running out of money. <laughs> I right. mean, it gets to the point where it's like Gandalf and everyone's riding down the hillside in at, to Helm's Deep and Gandalf throws the sword in the air and it flashes in the sun and it says thus ends part 1 of the story and you're like they literally the movie just ends. It's like ran out of money, sorry. Um <laughs> but uh but um then there's um there's another one I actually saw recently uh Right here in Anaheim, for a while, there was a, a an arcade. Uh, that was it was actually a private the private collection of four guys who own a lot of old old school video. We're games. getting sidetracked. No, no, no. But I'm saying that <laughs> upstairs they would have like a bunch of old '80s <clears throat> movies you could sit and watch. It was kind right. of an '80s flashback. It was it was a much cheaper midlife crisis than buying a Corvette. The point is, um, I watched this Backshine movie fairly recently. Right. Which one was it? And I'm trying to remember what it's called. Was it the it, one? It's like the history of music in the 20th century, so to speak. And then, right. and then um, I um, can't remember what it's called. But then I also watched, they had another animated film that I'd heard of but had never actually seen before that was done by a Canadian animation studio who did one of the segments of, of Heavy Metal, the original mm-hmm. Heavy Metal. They did one of its segments. Um, you know, there's a, there's a cool movie, and Heavy Metal. And, and it's, got, it's another movie similar to Heavy Metal with, a, with a, you know, the soundtrack. Is the that movie show. is... Debbie Harry plays one of the characters right. and one of the guys from... Uh, uh, like Cheap Trick um, and such are, are characters in a film. It's, and it's like this supposedly in the future where all the humans are dead and the animals have mute, evolved into anamorphic humans. Whatever. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but it fucking... So it's like a rock band that consists of like, a, you know, a couple of dogs and cats. You know. But I can't think of what yeah. it's called. It's, it's called Rock Something or Something Rock and I'm blanking on it now. But I'd heard of it before and never actually seen it and I'm watching it and I'm like, this isn't half bad. It isn't half good either, but you know it, it was it was entertaining, um, but it's not back shy. I'm, I'm being sidetracked. 
the oh. thing was back Shot back And then um, all the way up to Cool World. Gabriel Byrne, Brad Pitt, um, Kim Basinger, Hollywood, if she could. Um, cool World was entertaining as well. Um, Let's talk about heavy metal. It's I like that I movie. Uh, that movie was largely responsible for me becoming a degenerate. A degenerate. Okay. I would I say, yeah. Uh, I, I remember <laughs> when degenerate. HBO came out, I was like six. We had just got cable. You probably saw the movie It was like did, yeah. MTV, right? I was right? not allowed. And then, well, no, neither was I. But <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning... When no one else is up, and I yeah. decide to get up early and go yeah. turn on HBO, and that's what's on, <laughs> and I was just like, "Wow, man, that's crazy!" I, I t- dude, you see cartoon thing? boobies. Like, even I like could appreciate that at that young age. Yeah, you watch you know a movie I mean? like well, you watch like a backseat movie, mm-hmm. and it's just a big tease with the boobies. There's no like animated boobs in his movies that I really can think of. But then you watch like heavy metal, and heavy they metal, there's a lot it. of boobs. Right, and, and, and you seen the South Park episode that parodies it. No. There's a South Park episode that is basically a parody of heavy metal where every time some guy has a dream, well, there's the whole thing. They're hallucinating because cats pee in their face. And while they're hallucinating, it's in like the world of heavy metal, except you never see any actual nipples off of a, on a woman, but everything else has a nipple. Like the guy's shield is a giant breast. Like they have shoulder pads that are giant tits. Like everything is a boob except the things on the front of a female. Right. They can't show that. That would be wrong. And that's kind of the whole joke right. that the, the episode is making in about censorship. It's like you can show a nipple on anything except the front of a female. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Awesome. It's 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 so. Um, but yeah, no, that that movie it, it's it's uneven because the way it was made is there was just one overarching company Mm -hmm. that farmed it out to several different animation studios who all had different styles right and and it's all very loosely strung together by the lochnar premise um but it's a fun yeah which is the which total concept of the first thor movie (laughs) it is it's it's, but they call it the tesseract yeah the tesseract which comes from a wrinkle in time uh, I don't know. I do. That's a movie, well, that could have been. I mean, a lot of that is based on Norse mythology, so I don't know okay. how much. Well, of it the concept is tied of the Tesseract is is mm-hmm. is what a wrinkle in time is. It's the right. fifth dimension or whatever. How you? Can I've pass never seen um, reaches of space. And that was just released as a film. Oprah Winfrey and, and mm-hmm. there was the sequel, like Heavy Metal Two Thousand. I, uh, I think. No, I've never yeah, seen it. It's bad. It's bad. Never seen it. It's got some Billy Idol music and. That's Billy the best Idol. thing I can say about it. And that's not a <laughs> it's not good. It, the, the original, because it's a lot of, it's Canadian. And so it's got like SCTV yeah. guys. John, John Candy, Candy plays at least three different characters in that movie. He's, I think so. He's, he's Den, you know. Um, and, if I, and if I refuse, well, then you die, she dies, everybody dies. Everybody dies. It sounded pretty reasonable to me. You know, and then later <laughs> he's the robot who fucks the chick, yeah. you know. And it's like, we can't get married. Why? Is it because I'm uncircumcised? And he's a fucking <laughs> robot. <you know? laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, uh, no, there's so much good. And, and like, 
And of course, it was it was at a time when like cocaine was at its uh-huh. peak. Right. And so that when the two alien guys with the giant snouts like mm-hmm. do the cocaine, and they're like they've literally got like a a fucking I don't know what you want to call it like a wheelbarrow full of fucking cocaine, and there's like lines of cocaine that are like two hundred feet long and running around the fucking spaceship. Right. <laughs> I drive better when I'm stoned, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything it, that movie is like the extremes of drugs and sex and violence as much as it can, and it's funny how um, the most violent part, the last sequence with the. Uh, with what's her name, the, the Tarakian, yeah. Um, that all the villains she's fighting, because they've been evolved by the Lochnar into monsters, all have green blood, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of blood. But because it, it's green, I think they get away from it being an even higher rating. It might have got an X rating in those days. It's possible because of the amount of violence it has. Because, um, like I said, in the older days, violence was less tolerated than it is now, and. It, that final sequence is fair. Oh, and that has a brilliant transition, too. There's the scene when they're knocking the doors down. And and the one guy who's trying to hold the door, he falls with like an arrow through his face and mm-hmm. what have you. And then it transitions from his body line, his dead body, becomes like the hillside as it transitions to a long shot, um, long exterior shot. And his head becomes like the, the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a cool that's shot. That's a really cool transition. That film has a lot of really cool parts to it. Um, it's, it's, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else is, uh, are some of the voices in that. Um, John Candy really sticks out, but. Um, I don't know offhand. Captain Smead, you're accused of 15 counts of, you know, assault and 23 <laughs> counts of robbery and. Lincoln Stern. You stand here accused of 12 counts of murder in the first degree. 14 counts of armed theft of Federation property. 22 counts of piracy in high space. 18 counts of fraud. 37 counts of rape. And one moving violation. And one moving violation. And and actually, there's another sign of the times is when it says, like, 43 counts of rape. And it cuts to him, his face, like, raising one eyebrow and sneering, like he's proud of the 43 rapes. And how, in our modern culture, there's no way that, that scene would, would be put in a movie. You know, yeah. that, that cut shot, you know what I mean? That reference to rape being a funny thing. Uh, right. You know, um, which is a good thing. I'm not saying that as a negative in any way. I'm saying <laughs> that we have definitely advanced as a culture to not, you know... Have men be proud of rape? Um, anyway, um, what other good? Uh, I don't know. R-rated, more classic animated movies are there? Well, wizards. Maybe. Wizards. <laughs> they killed yeah. Fritz. Those filthy, stinking fairies. They killed Fritz. Take that and that and that. Actually, man, I'm okay. Oh, oh, great! <laughs> right in the middle of my big scene, you're just fine. Fritz, get up! For God's sake, get up! They've killed Fritz. They've killed Fritz. Those lousy, stinking yellow fairies! Those horrible, atrocity-filled vermin! Those despicable animal war workers! They've killed Fritz! Take that! Take that! Take that, you green swine! You black-hearted, short, bull-legged! Max, Max, I'm okay. I'm okay, Max. Just a scratch. Look, I'm all right. Max. Oh. Oh, damn. There you go again, stepping on my lines, raining on my parade, costing me medals. Oh, damn! Ooh. Ooh, Fritz. Fritz, get up, for God's sake. Get up! They've killed Fritz! 
They've killed friends! Those lousy, stinking yellow fairies! Those horrible, atrocity-filled rarities! Take us! Take us! And then he, like, accidentally shoots him. <laughs> what? Fritz! Oh my god, they killed Fritz! You lousy, filthy, sick. Anyway. <laughs> if you've never seen Wizards, it's very entertaining. It's, it's silly, it's pointless, but it's very entertaining. Right. Die Hard. Go ahead, we're fine. Go ahead. Oh, we're, you're not. I know what I'm uh, doing. Anyway, Die Hard, Die Hard is a, a movie. It's a really good movie. It is. It's a great movie <laughs> that takes place over the course of a day. Or a know. night. Or, yeah, or a night. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's one of those classic. I actually read, there's this, uh, some YouTube series, I guess, that basically takes older movies and says, okay, this is supposed to be a classic. Does it still hold up? Yeah. And the guy does a whole, like, 15 minutes discussing Die Hard. And it does hold up, he says, but you've got to understand it in the context. I mean, it was made in the late 80s. It's so like 88, right? Yeah. Um, the, toward the end of the, huge, the Reagan era, in which Reagan really brought the, you know, cowboy machismo America right. idea back. And he's yippee Kaye motherfucker, exactly that personified. Right. Is, and and is, if you get it in that context... That film, and that film is a classic. Everything about it holds up. Right. Nothing has tainted its, the, the, some of the more recent sequels in no way taint the legacy of the original Die Hard. No. no, they don't. It's John McTiernan, uh, McTiernan, pronounce that name? McTiernan. The, the director? McTiernan. Um, he's a fantastic action director. Um, because, sure, Willis is busting out one-liners and stuff in, in, in you know, class, you know, action movie tropes, but there's some really intelligent stuff to it. And, and the other thing that um, is the, the perspective. Some films are shot solely from, like, say, one character's or one group of characters' perspective um, or, or something like that. Like, every film has to make a decision as to how they're giving you a person. And Die Hard, it's it, Die Hard lets the, the audience see it from every perspective. So yeah. the audience, there's no dramatic irony. Right. Or there is, there's a lot of dramatic irony. The audience is fully aware of everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, you get it from John McClane, you get it from his wife, you get it from the terrorists, you get it from the other cops, hostages, you get it from, from the cops, right. from the janitor, so, the limo driver who's stuck in the basement, doesn't <laughs> exactly. even know anything's going on. Exactly. Yeah. You get it from everybody's perspective. So you as an audience, when, when fucking McClane finally meets Hans... Right. Hi there. How you doing? Please, God, no, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, 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 kill me, please, no, please. Don't kill me, don't kill me, please. Whoa, 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 relax. Relax, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt you. The fuck are you doing up here? What were you looking for? I managed to get out of there, uh... Well, I was just trying to get up on the roof and see if I could signal for help, you know. It's just from here. Why don't, why don't you come in and help? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, forget the roof. Come on, come on. I come said on. forget the roof. I got people all over. Well, you want to stay alive, you stay with me. You're like, fuck! Right. But Hans just goes into his, you know, his whole act. Right. And you're like, Willis doesn't know it's fucking him. Right. You know, right, because shit. he didn't see him. Right, exactly. Earlier. And and, and, but there, but, he, and then he like, knows it's McLean. But, but in the in the reverse of that, earlier in the film, 
earlier in the film where they don't know it's just him. It's just right. some fucking guy in the Yeah, they think right. it's a whole team of people. What the fuck is going on? Right. Now I now I have a machine gun is on you know on the dead body in the elevator right. is the sign. And so they're like they're really shitting their pants. And then the baby, I can give him to you. The guy comes in and right. thinks he's Mr. Slick and he ends up dead. <laughs> you know, and he starts and, coke, right? Right. And and, <laughs> and um, you know when she he sees oh I've got his wife here. You know what I mean? And and so you as the audience knew that, but then as Han slowly learns these details about John right. McClane, who he's up against. Well, that actually makes it more dramatic is that you know it's, who he is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what makes the movie work right. is how well informed the audience is every step of the way gives you a constant, there are constant bits of dramatic irony uh, between the audience and various characters. Sometimes to very comedic effect, like you mentioned, the, the limo driver who has no idea what the fuck's going on. It right. cuts to him sitting in the basement with a stereo crank, right. and there's shit going down behind him, and he's clueless. Yeah, and so you as an audience are really enjoying that on a comedic level. Right. You know. So so yeah, all throughout the film, you know, and then it does the, at the very end when he's got his hands behind his back, and then the camera goes behind McLean, and you see the gun taped to his back. Right. So you as an audience member know what's coming. Right. You know that Hans does it, and so I think the film works because of the way that you have the universal perspective as an audience. Not every movie does that. There are other movies that deliberately have it from just one person's perspective, and that's what makes the film work. Right. You know, it wouldn't work if you knew everything that was going on. Um, Memento would be a good example of, it's all from his perspective, and he's a very unreliable narrator because the entire premise is that his memory doesn't work. Right. And so that's why you're getting scenes that happen, and then the next scene happened before that, and the next scene happened before that. And so you're learning things in the same time the character is learning. It's one of those movies where I tell people, it's a great film, and the less I tell you about it, the better your experience will be seeing it the first time. Because every time you as an audience member have a question where, like, what the fuck is going on is right when the movie explains that to you. Right. Right when the character needs to understand what the fuck's going on is right when the audience needs to do it. And the character learns it and you as an audience learn it. And it's perfect that way. You know what I mean? And so... I'd never heard the term unreliable narrator till recently. Really? That's a very common term. Alex well, it's a very in a clockwork yeah, orange a is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, uh, I know. It's something that I've Benjamin, heard uh, recently. Brad Pitt and Benjamin Button. Yeah. You know, it's Where, but there was a when when the person telling you the story is got a skewed perspective on and, and you as an audience know what's really going on the, color, the character yeah. doesn't. See, I watched a movie called Spider and that movie was kind of confusing. And it was later on that I realized it's because he's an unreliable narrator. Fight Club. Fight Club. Oh, great example. Yeah, right. Yeah. Unreliable narrator. Right. Ed- Edward Norton doesn't even have a name. Yeah. You realize that. Right. His character doesn't even have a name in that film. That's funny. And the whole movie is from his perspective. It's right. like, is it? Because, yeah. And when, and when you get the big reveal of what's going on, you're like, holy fuck. You know? Um and like, cause there's the scene where like they fight and then you see the scene later where he's beating himself up. Right. Right. And, and that's like a similar thing I was saying, like the Bates it's called Motel. called foreshadowing. Right. But I'm saying like in the Bates Motel series, there will be scenes where it's from Norman's crazy perspective of him having a conversation with his mother. And then it cuts from the outside perspective of where it's Norman talking to himself. Right. You know what I mean? And, and the show does a great job of cutting between those two different perspectives of giving you the unreliable narrator and also giving you the universal perspective. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, any one of those, any one of those, um, um, that kind of perspective can really affect how a film works. Um, 
So when you talk about other movies that happen over the course of a day. Breakfast got, Club's got, a big one. Breakfast Club's a good one. Club. Right. And that's, that's another one where um, um, you don't get it from the teacher's perspective, so to speak. What the hell's his name? The principal. Right. Um, Who's in the... Mr. Hand. He's in Die Hard. That's what Mr. I'm Hand. When you no, started wrong with movie. That, Mr. Hand. Wrong movie. But when you, yeah, you when you started the at the beginning with the, yeah. the different things, it's like, oh, he's in both of those movies. So what else? Is he something in one of those other yeah. movies you were saying? You find it interesting that Fast Times at Ridgemont High was written by a woman. I do. And I didn't fact, even know that until you saw the, that. The fact that... Wow, uh, really? I didn't yeah. know that either. That is an interesting... Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. Well, it, I because do find it's it got that there are such a... It's got such a prepubescent male... male Perpetual fourteen-year-old thing, 14 -year -old you know, thing where uh, yeah. Phoebe Cates gets up out of the right. pool and the opens up her bikini. She walks in on him in the bathroom. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, funny. It's, it's well, but that's the thing: the, the women can write from the perspective of a man any more than a man can write write, write from the perspective yeah. of a woman. There get to be arguments where people say, "No, that's not right." A black man can't write from the perspective of a white guy, and vice versa. But that's I don't think true. that I don't think that's right. true. I do think there are people. I'm saying generally, yes. That just reminds me of that scene. Black as writer in, is going to do a better job of writing a black. That just reminds story. me of that scene in As Good as It Gets, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Right. They say, oh. "How do you write so well from a I'm woman's sorry, perspective?" I apologize. It's not written by a woman. Oh, it's directed by. It's, oh, it's directed, directed by, by okay, a woman. Fine. Okay. But there are a lot of great. He films, says, but "How do you write so well from a woman's perspective?" And he says, first I take a man." And then I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's Nicholson's character being a douche. No. Well, yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. No. I'm but not. But it's a the same thing, though. Anyway. It's the same thing. It's directed by a woman. Yes. Written by a man. Written by Cameron Crowe. Right. Oh, but oh, it was it's directed like, by a woman. Oh, it's written by Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Actually, that makes sense. Well, but, yeah. But it's kind of funny because um, when you talk about directed by a woman, um, is how much um, what's her name has come up from uh, Near Dark and. Uh, Oh, yeah. She's um, a great director. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. And I just love the two shot at the Oscars where she's sitting in the foreground in her seat and in the background is her ex-husband and an ex-mentor, mentor, James Cameron, who's done Avatar. And he doesn't win Best Director for Avatar. She won wins for, um, um, which one was it? Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Um, that was, that was, that was an interesting dynamic. Have, well, yeah. have you seen the she, Hurt Locker? I, Yes. Very good. good and yeah. and yeah. Zero Dark Thirty as well. She's Catherine Bell is a fantastic Yeah, director. Zero Dark Thirty was good. Oh, um, she's a fantastic director. The only what's, movie what's his name? Uh, the one I didn't particularly like. What's the one The Arrow Guy? Yeah. Tom Sizemore, Juliet Lewis came out in the mid nineties, about the year two thousand, the virtual reality Oh yeah. What the fuck was that movie called? It was called it. Uh, Party Like It's nineteen ninety nine. No, it was um Strange Days. Strange Days. It, it's another one of those Jeremy, movies. Jeremy interesting Renner. Interesting premise, terrible movie. Jeremy I think Jeremy Renner. Renner is a really cool actor. Yeah, he is a really good he actor. Plays, um, he played... Uh, well, he plays... What's his name? Black Arrow? No. Hawkeye. 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 Yeah. Don't they all have... Like, he also did the, the Bourne movie that didn't have Matt Damon hey, in it. Right. Have you guys seen Deadpool 2? got away with it. Right. Have you seen Deadpool 2? I have not seen it yet. We're going to be called X-Force. <laughs> right. Isn't that a bit derivative? <laughs> X-Force is actually a thing, though, so... But don't they all have like the same green arrow and black arrow and there's red, a lot of there's a lot of arrows. There's a lot of arrows. Yeah, yeah green arrow, arrow is actually and, a DC all rock and roll character. oldies. Blue arrow, jacket, right? Um, Cleveland rocks, <laughs> right? But yeah, um, WMMS Cleveland, like 
Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, is and great. And Breakfast that's Club. One of those, there's not, two John Hughes movies. That's one right. of those great fourth wall breaking movies. Um, yeah. Oh, that's the ultimate fourth wall movie. You, it you, is the ultimate fourth wall movie. Right. What's the one with... Uh, where he's in the shower and he's like, oh, hold his hand up. Yeah. <laughs> this is my ninth sick day this semester. It's getting pretty tough coming up with new illnesses. If I go for ten, I'm probably going to have to barf up a lung. So I better make this one count. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a deadlock, but uh, you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. You fake a stomach cramp, and when you're bent over, moaning and wailing, you lick your palms. It's a little childish and stupid, but then so is high school. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. I do have a test today. That wasn't bullshit. It's on European socialism. I mean, really, what's the point? I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. So who gives a crap if they're socialists? They could be fascist anarchists. It still wouldn't change the fact that I don't own a car. I recall Central Park in fall How you tore your dress What a mess, I confess It's not that I condone fascism Or any ism for that matter Isms in my opinion are not good If a person should not believe in an ism He should believe in himself I quote John Lennon I don't believe in Beatles I just believe in me. A good point there. After all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I'd still have to bum riots off of people. Fucking It's all bitch. goddamn fake, man. It's like Lenin said. You look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know. I am uh, the walrus? You know, you'll, uh, uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. I am the walrus. Uh, Fucking bitch! Oh yeah! I am the walrus. That's ex Shut the fuck up, Donnie! The I Lenin! Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov! What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> they don't I'm trying know. to think of some other great fourth wall break movies and I'm He's, trying to what's the one with you know, Christian Slater? That's another unreliable movie, narrator. Christian Slater. Um Cuffs? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Cuffs. Not Cuffs. It's a different one. There's a Christian Slater movie that's all fourth wall. Him narrating to the camera. Oh, oh, and Cusack in High Fidelity. Yes. Fidelity. High Fidelity is a great movie. Right. That is all I don't know. fourth wall break of him talking you to wanna, the You want to know How something? How about The End I of Goodfellas? I watched that movie recently. Where he just, everything stops. Which the one? End of Goodfellas? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he just walks out like, hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> now i got to stand in line to get fresh bread just like everybody else. He's just talking right to you well, at that actually, point. Actually, the but. ultimate fourth wall break, I think, is um, you saw Jodorowsky's Dune. Yes. The documentary about the movie yeah. that didn't happen. Um, so I went back and read a lot more stuff about Jodorowsky. But, but they talk about the one movie where he goes through the whole movie, and at the end of the movie, he looks at the camera and says, it, as if we were all just doing this in a film, and the camera backs away and shows the cast and crew and cameras right. and everything. And the ending of the movie is them revealing that it's a movie, right. and that it's not real. And it's, anyway, that kind of stuff. It's like Blazing Saddles. Yes, that's. That's done for comedic effect rather than dramatic but, effect. But yes, same thing. 
See, now I got inside oh, track oh, here. Oh, fucking you said Mel Brooks, because the best, fucking my favorite scene in Spaceballs. You idiots, you caught their stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, oh, the other fourth wall break is when they're we're watching the camera and they got to rewind it. <laughs> and they're and he's and looking at us, yeah. like looking at the screen and looking behind him at the camera and then looking right. at the screen. <laughs> I love the four. This is an unlisted wall. I told you never to call me on this wall. (laughs) Why didn't someone tell me my ass was so big? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. You were talking so much, and I forgot my train. I don't know. You were talking about movies that all happened over one day, and I just got into a nice little sidetrack about about movies with fourth wall breaks. We were talking about Catherine Bigelow. I don't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow. Okay, so so this thing because obviously we've meandered a bit here. Um, Next episode. I think I think it would be a good idea. So, so we're planning now in the episode. We have actually done, done this before. three different times. Yeah, and I, no, I'm just going to make this quick. Why? So just get the outro ready. <laughs> no, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm not done talking. Damn it. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay, I don't no we got time. We got time. No, I don't know. I was just. There was something on my mind, and I, I just, I've lost it. You were always always talking about on my mind. But <laughs> you were always. Patsy Klein did that, right? We talked about Patsy. I Klein. think like eight different you guys people can harmonize. harmonize. Anyway, so, um, I can't. I was written by Willie Nelson, I do believe. Can anyway? Yeah. Can we get opera. Charlie to oh, get okay. a tech manual in here for that? Please? What we want to do is, um, I really think it would be a cool to talk about movie soundtracks, like how the music right. was influential. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think certain movies, awesome. like the heavy metal and um, Oh Brother Where Art, though, are a couple of examples that immediately come to mind, right. where the music in some ways surpassed what the Anything film was. John Williams. Um, Anyway, um, but uh, we are Gas Food and Lodging. Uh, come to you once again from Dollhead Studios. Beautiful Studios. West Anaheim, California. Yeah. Downtown uh, something. Yeah, we'll see I you next we'll, week. Uh, see you next week. Thanks. All right. Go to the window, <coughs> open it, and stick your head out and yell, Take your sticking paws off me, you bitch. Well, no shit. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. What's your name, fat body? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. No. I am your father. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? I do wish we could chat longer, but I've had him an old friend. You know, occasionally do that thing after the credits you know, at the end of some movie, and, and, and like then after the credits, there's something else happens. There's like a know about it. It's like an Easter bon- egg. Easter egg yeah, bonus. This is an Easter egg bonus. But we had nothing to say. I just pulled the mics back up just for the fuck of it. Uh, do you got anything to say? You, you said you I weren't can, done talking. Were I'm not done talking. talking. Were you, I wanted to talk about something else, but I can't remember what it was. You guys, clue. You t- well, clue. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like clue. I've seen that movie like so many times, and I remember like the first. Probably like three times I saw it. 
I you still also, know. Did who, you see all three endings? Yeah. I, I knew who did it. it had three different endings. Yeah. On video they put all I knew who did it, but I was still trying to figure out how they did it. You know? And I was <laughs> like, I know how it's going to end. Right. And I'm like, still thinking. Wasn't even on the microphone there. But it was finally <laughs> like maybe the fourth or fifth time that I saw it that I could, I figured it all out. And you could tell who's here and not here yeah. to know that movie, who though. did, did and didn't do it. You've never seen Clue. Best movie based on a board game. Hands down, yeah. <laughs> We are gas, did not food, do, and lodging. Do well uh, at the box well, We're gas and lodging doing an Easter egg. Bonus. Um, Bonus We will Easter see you egg. next time. Bye-bye. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.